Hello and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. Today's episode features an interview with Florian Doetto, CEO of Dataiku. Florian is an expert data scientist. He has a degree in maths and computer science from ENS, one of the most prestigious universities in France, and he previously served as vice president of research and development of Exceliad. On this interview, Florian talks about machine learning and deep learning, how to bring big data analytics to everyday decision-making, data visualization, and much more. So please enjoy this interview with Florian Doetto and your host, Steve Hamm. So, Florian, good to talk to you today. It would be great if you could start by talking a little bit about your background. We know you're from France, as are two of the founders of Snowflake. So how did you kind of grow up in France to find your way to technology, and how did you find your way to data analytics? I grew up to technology very fairly young, starting programming as as young as I think six or seven. And then I got very quickly into AI and chess programs and stuff like that when I was a teenager because I was like uh, fascinated by fascinated by chess and uh, quote, quote, AI in the sense of like uh, chess players. Then I went to um, going to search engine and and all the data you had on the web back then in the very beginning of this century. And back then, doing web search was like the next frontier because like every kind of like interesting thing was on the web that was growing very, very fast. And gradually, I moved back in a sense to the more corporate world, going through advertising, gaming, that was also booming in 2010. And I realized that the, the next frontier, in a sense, was more an oh, you apply AI to the corporate world, which was growing in terms of sophistication of and use of data. And what was the idea that led you to starting Dataiku? The, the main idea was that there was a big gap uh, inside the enterprise between technologists and business in terms of how they perceive and how easy it was for them to get value out of data. And so I wanted to bridge that gap just because I'm well, I'll just like to bridge gaps. And uh, I like when people talk to one another. And so the idea was to, to build a platform where people from different backgrounds can collaborate in order to achieve things in terms of AI and analytics very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So Florian, what's in the name of the company? It's really unusual. It, it sounds like a cross between data and poetry. It's actually true, in fact, because it's a cross between data and haiku, haiku being a Japanese poem with mm-hmm. three verse. So it's a poem which is uh, to have a, a very deep meaning, but like while being very, very short, only three verse and a few syllables. And uh, the idea was to kind of like talk about data and big data while trying to do things in a more easy, small way. So it would be really helpful if you would describe the technology and how people use it. So the platform sits on on top of uh, the existing uh, data platforms of of your organization and enables people to visually transform data, blend data together from different data sources and build predictive models in order to have like deeper insights into the data. And so within the platform, you kind of like end-to-end get from the data as it is, like the raw data that you just got from a 
different systems to insights, forecast, uh, predictions very easily. Now, is this conventional machine learning or is this deep learning? It's both. It's both. And uh, in fact, we implemented uh, the platform over the last uh, six to seven years, continuously adding more uh, capabilities and algorithms into it. So the very first uh, version of Dataiku was uh, conventional machine learning back six, uh, six years ago. And three years ago, we added deep learning capabilities. Mm-hmm. And so depending on uh, whether you have like, in a sense, a more simple business problem where you really want to understand and explain things with a whiteboard approach, you use traditional machine learning. If you've got more complex data and especially images, text, you can leverage deep learning. Yeah, yeah. So it, it might be nice to have a scenario of how you use deep learning because my understanding is with deep learning, you, you just turn the algorithms loose on the data rather than doing a lot of training ahead of time. And, and the, the algorithms kind of find patterns or discover things or predict things that you not that a human might not necessarily have spotted or even traditional machine learning. So if, if you could explain how the deep learning works, that would be really great. Deep learning can work actually in lots of different ways. And in fact, it's more relevant, as you pointed out, in situations where the patterns within the data are so complex that you actually need to kind of like understand the data in order to, to, to find them. What I mean here is that if you look at something like a table, a spreadsheet, in a sense, it's pretty simple data. You can find the patterns by looking at uh, the various columns and try to combine them or look at one then another. Essentially, it's just like maybe, I don't know, each time 100, 200 numbers. But if you look at an image, in order to understand the patterns, you need to understand what the structure of the image is, meaning is it an object or not, which positions, do you have several layers and stuff like that. It's an image, it's complicated. And so deep learning is essentially a method where you build this understanding of the patterns of like what the image looks like automatically with the computer without having to actually describe the patterns themselves to the computer. So it learns by itself not only what you want to what you want to get as an outcome, but also the patterns within the data in order to get there. Is your technology primarily for data scientists or is it for a broader selection of people to use? Yeah. Yes, I would argue that our technology is actually mainly not for data scientists or maybe just to um, demultiply the impact of data scientists within their organization. Most of our users are actually analysts, subject matter experts, and people that want to get more uh, uh, impact from the data they have, that want to get to the next step. Five years ago, they started to do more uh, business intelligence and analytics in general. Now they need to get uh, deeper into the data, do more uh, forecasts or uh, more complex analytics and get to the next steps in a self-service way, meaning you want actually uh, people from the business to get into the data and to be able to go as far as possible, collaborating with data scientists in order to go faster. But you need really to free the data to democratize the access to analytics. And that's what uh, we're trying to do with the platform. So there are a lot of companies in the same market segment as Data Haiku. How would you contrast your company and its technology from, say, Databricks or Data Robot or Zeppel? 
Yeah, indeed, it's a, it's a very hot market, this market of AI and data science uh, for the enterprise, because the stake of democratizing uh, this for the enterprise is high. And I think that compared to others, we, we started very early on by having this perspective of democratization, meaning uh, taking the angle of uh, the data analyst that may want to do something simple with the data or something more complex that needs to prepare the data, transform the data, do some machine learning, and really serve this, uh, this analyst as someone that you need to enable and empower within the enterprise and help him collaborate with a broader group. So serving these analysts and these teams of analysts is actually what Dataiku is about compared to others that have a more, uh, I would say, technology or infrastructure approach yeah. to uh, serving the enterprise. Yeah. Well, my sense, and, you know, excuse my ignorance, but my sense is that Databricks really is for data scientists. The data robot is really about a lot about automation and making the, the technology available to a lot of different, a lot of people in a lot of different roles like, like yours is. And Zeppel is more like a, a collaboration platform for, for data scientists and data analysts. If you could kind of, you know, do a bit of a contrast of your, how your technology and, and your approach contrast with theirs, I think that would be really helpful to the, to the listener. Yeah, so compared to there, I would say that we are a collaboration platform for indeed for data scientists and data analysts for the broader enterprise, where uh, Databricks actually focuses on providing um, infrastructure for the data engineers themselves mm -hmm. in terms of automate the transformation of the data. DataRobot focuses on AutoML in the sense of automating machine learning itself, but possibly not what, everything which is before and after. That, yeah, and Zeppel focus on the helping data scientists having notebooks of the right infrastructure and computing platform. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of, and we've only mentioned a few companies, but there are many, many more. Do you foresee a consolidation in this industry, kind of a rolling up so that people will maybe go to one or two companies for, for all that they need? Or do you think there's going to be a long period with, with a, lot of, a lot of different offerings out there and, and people uh, using a lot of them? I, I think that this market will consolidate for two reasons. One could be external factors like the general need of consolidation because of economic factors and so forth. And the second one, uh, more interesting, is the fact that as, a, as an organization, when you build AI, you need resilience, you need consistency, you need some form of governance, meaning you need to be able to upskill your people, whatever their position in the company, and to make sure that if you set up a new way to do something, it is actually distributed within the organization in a consistent way, because AI is something important. You don't want like to have like uh, lots of different tools with possible inconsistencies and a different way to compute a very important formula for your organization that is not the same from one tool to the other. So at the end of the day, yes, I do believe that uh, there will be only a few vendors, a few key vendors uh, on, this, uh, on this market category. Hey, I wanted to back up to something we, we talked about before was, was your technology and, and who uses it and what roles. If you could walk through a scenario of how a data analyst might use your technology kind of step by step to solve a problem, I think that would be really helpful. Yes, sure. So we could, for instance, imagine a data analyst working in a, for, for a marketing capacity, let's say, in a big consumer group. Uh, company, consumer good company. And so what he would do in the Taiku would be, for instance, to gather data from uh, various uh, advertising platforms, from sales, from historical data, 
they would get data about online, offline ads, possibly social media data from competitors. And he would have like all this data within his uh, Dataiku projects. And we are talking possibly millions of lines. And he would leverage Dataiku in order to clean, refine this data, find what's interesting in terms of correlation around the products he needs to work upon and the brands he needs to focus on for uh, his particular study. And maybe his output is, try, is to understand what is the impact of a media campaign, what are the keywords that works better today as opposed to before. And he would use this in order to produce an informed opinion about how to spend 5, 10, 15 million of uh, worth of marketing budget for a particular uh, product category on a particular country. And so tell to the business where to spend the money, on which keywords, whether or not you should uh, bet and uh, do advertising on the weekend versus the weekdays and stuff like that. And the idea is that this data analyst is someone that has, is not, we are not talking about um, a computer scientist, is someone that has essentially a very good understanding of the product and the category of the language we are talking about in the country is focusing on. But is instead of doing that in Excel as before, essentially trying to copy-paste data from various sources in order to build a PowerPoint. Now, in order to be relevant, is doing that within the data platform where he's manipulating millions, if not billions, of rows uh, and gigabytes of data in order to get something way more relevant for the digital world. Yeah. And the, uh, the data analyst doesn't have to write code or write algorithms or anything like that, correct? Yeah, correct. It's like uh, clicking in order to transform the data and do the forecast and apply machine learning. And obviously, in some situation, uh, clicking is not enough. He might, uh, he might hit some kind of roadblock where he needs to actually ask a friend, like uh, during those TV games, some help. And usually the friend is a data scientist that could like uh, look at the roadblock, write some piece of code, save it somewhere on the Taiku, and then this particular fix, way to move forward, can then be reused by other data analysts in order to be uh, more uh, self-sufficient when uh, trying to do the same kind of analytics next time. Yeah, so they can collect a bunch of tools that they've used before and use them again. Exactly, because the, the, the main issue with AI that is like such a complex problem that you actually want to be able to reuse solution from the past in order to get to the next step. If you start from scratch, Every time, actually, you won't go that far as an organization. And are the results of the work primarily presented as visualizations or in some other way? So it can be visualization, but in fact, it's almost, let's say, one third of uh, visualization, like uh, insights you can use to better understand what's happening. One third decision support for apps in the sense of like providing to someone suggestions or a way to make a more informed decision interacting with the data. Like uh, an example for that could be uh, when you ask for a credit in a bank, how do you provide to the operator, to the banker, information about a credit score, the decision related to that score and so forth. So it's more like in-context data. And uh, another third could be uh, applications where you actually integrate directly into operational systems to uh, completely automate a task like automate the resupply of some goods, any other task where you actually directly, in a sense, use data to, to, to simplify and make a business process more efficient. Mm-hmm. I know you have an alliance with Snowflake. When and why did that occur? So we, we started working with Snowflake a few years ago, at least for two reasons. Why we had um, 
some customer in common, and we are seeing an increasing interest in Snowflake in the data science and broader analytics community, obviously. And then we, well, we, we also met with the founders of Snowflake. We happen to be French. They happen to be French too, for some of them. And we really, really liked the technology and the, the fact that our customers could do with Snowflake things in a more easier and well, things faster and easier without having to set up uh, complex infrastructure from their perspective. Yeah. So you have mutual customers, Snowflake and Data Haiku. If you could walk through a scenario of how a mutual customer would use both of your technologies, that would be really helpful too. So the, the, the scenario that I just described where an analyst from a consumer good company leverage data in order to get things done and essentially be more efficient at marketing campaign is actually very relevant. And actually, uh, well, it's a real scenario of uh, using uh, Data IQ and Snowflake together. And so the way, the, way it, the way it works is essentially by having Snowflake as uh, the backbone, which is used for most of the computation that are needed in order to transform the data, uh, to refine it, to aggregate it, and so forth. So it's, it's as if with that Taiku, you can uh, visually click and navigate the data to design what you want to transform. And the power of Snowflake make most of the queries and the result very, very quick and efficient for the analyst. And the second factor is that um, we're talking about customers where the number of such analysts is by the hundreds, like literally hundreds of analysts at the same time trying to navigate the data and each of those analysts have millions of rows. So you really need a platform that can scale seamlessly so that you can scale this activity throughout the organization. Yeah. And so the cloud is really essential for that, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So are you a Snowflake customer as well? So we... We are not a significant user of Snowflake as of today. We are. That's too bad. That's too bad. But <laughs> uh, we, we don't, we have like, we have such small, well, we are B2B, so we have very small data sets. Oh, I see. Uh, we have very small data sets in a sense. Yeah, you're not a target customer. I get that. Florian, we're in the middle of a global health and economic crisis. How is Data Aiku dealing with it? And how are your customers using your technology to respond to the stresses on them? Indeed, we are, we are living through the various phases of this crisis. Um, so at the very beginning, phase one for Data Aiku itself, it was, I think, uh, first and foremost, to, to care for the people from Data Aiku, meaning where could they live, where could they work, and essentially reset the expectation in terms of work that were compatible with, uh, with the new world, meaning ability to work from home, ability to have uh, flexible hours, being very understood, understand that we have parents at Dataiku that were not able to, to, to deliver during those few months as much as uh, they could because of the situation. So I think as, an, as any organization, we had to, to, to adapt and make sure that we, we were really understanding the situation of everyone. And in a sense, similarly, we, we, we went and tried to help our customers in various ways so that they could also adapt during this crisis. And so themselves were setting up for remote work and here uh, having a fully online platform like Dataiku really helps to continue collaborating even in a fully work from home situation. And I must say that actually 
almost all of our customers continued to do analytics and even more analytics than before during the crisis and then during the crisis. And the reason is that analytics is key in order to plan ahead, to do forecast, to replan. So our customer actually implemented in the last few weeks lots of use cases to improve the efficiency of uh, their manufacturing in a situation where they had to completely reschedule everything, to rethink their supply lines, to rethink about their pricing, to try to anticipate new trends in terms of demand and behaviors of, of, um, of customers. And that was actually super interesting because we have uh, customers in very different industries, including airline, hospitalities, care manufacturing, aerospace manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, consumer goods, financial services, and all were adapting differently, but like all were very proactive in terms of uh, adapting and actually leveraging data in order to, to, to try to plan ahead. Yeah, yeah. It seems like airlines, retail, and restaurants are among the industries that are most seriously damaged by the, by the crisis, by the economic slowdown. Are you seeing them respond very aggressively and creatively to the crisis using, using data analytics? Yeah, I, we, we, we saw that happening, which is about uh, trying to better anticipate what would be the behaviors of the, of the customers, try to and leverage analytics in order to, to further boost new business lines that could be, uh, for instance, home delivery for restaurant chains and so forth. Yeah. And so in a sense, it's kind of like everything was accelerating in terms of the world moving to, to something more digital, to something more online through this crisis. Yeah. And it's accelerating now, I think, right? Yeah, it's still accelerating in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, does your software operate both in the cloud, in the public cloud and, and on-premises? Yes, it does. It yeah. uh, operates... Are you seeing any shift in that right now? Any, I mean, I, I would imagine there might be an acceleration of the migration of data to the cloud, but you know, you could tell me. It's, it's been a long standing trend that things were moving from on-prem to the cloud. That's, that's for sure. I know. So uh, is this crisis, this crisis will possibly accelerate that further. That being said, we're talking about a migration that, is, that started five years ago, at least, if not, if not 10 years ago. And so the crisis itself will accelerate it, but it's uh, definitely an opportunity for everyone that has, uh, is doing business to the cloud, is uh, simplifying the way to leverage data in the cloud, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think it's accelerating it? It's uh, essentially people understand that they need, it's not a matter of cost, in fact, in a sense. It's a matter of like, how fast do I need value? How fast can I operate? What kind of agility do I need? And people with this crisis realize that the ability to, to have some agility in their organization, the ability to reconfigure uh, quickly uh, when needed is more important than anything. Because true resilience is not... Uh, based on the fact that you've got your server secured in a premise somewhere, it's based on the fact that you can reconfigure if needed. And that's definitely a different mindset. And I think that realizing that is further accelerating the migration to the cloud. Yeah. Now, someday this crisis will end. And before there's the next crisis, there might be a period of stability or something like that. Who knows? If you would, look out into the future 
What's your vision of how data and data analytics will affect business and society and even individual lives, say five or 10 years from now? Mm. When I look at the future, I, 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 I'm actually looking at data and analytics can uh, change in a profound way things related to supply line, transportation systems, and healthcare to actually make them way more efficient than today. Because all those systems are today getting more modern, more digital, and so forth. But still, in a sense, when you look at them as a whole, very, very crude. Yes, you do have like some smart cars, but like their transportation system is, uh, well, in fact, kind of dumb. It was very efficient uh, during uh, the lockdown uh, in Paris and I think in various cities of the world. But like, no, we're back into traffic jam mm -hmm. in a click. And the same for uh, healthcare that really will have uh, to, to be able to sustain more crises in the, in the, in the years to come. And similarly for uh, the way we transport goods and supply lines over, uh, over, over the years that we will have to rethink. And I think that data and analytics will have a key role to play in the migration of those uh, key elements of our society. How we transport ourselves, how we transport goods, and how we make sure that we, uh, we stay healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the lessons that this crisis has taught us is that even though we have all these great new tools for predicting things more accurately, you can't anticipate everything. There, there are going to be surprises. And part of what you have to do is be able to respond quickly, to be more resilient. And it seems like a lot of the technology, especially machine learning technologies and especially cloud technologies, are really things that will make a more resilient society. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I see it that way. And I think it's a combination of several technologies, machine learning being only a part. It's like machine learning, access to data, analytics in general. I think especially it's... It's all about being able to mix the human intuition and the data as it is. As you pointed out, when you've got a crisis, history doesn't really matter because you can't really use last year to predict this year. You can't really use the sales from May last year to predict the sales from May this year, for sure. Mm -hmm. And so in order to, to, to get anything done and to be able to respond to crisis, you need agility to be able to reconfigure. You need to to also have this level of flexibility where you were able to have lots of different scenarios and prepare for the worst even before. But you also need, uh, when needed, to be able to, uh, to mix the human intuition, meaning uh, the subject matter expert that is understanding what's happening, what the weak signals he can use, what are the forecasts he can make, and mix this power of the human brain with data in order actually to, to, to plan ahead to drive things during a crisis. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you see AI and humans kind of being collaborators in, a, in some kind of almost like a continuous conversation. Or, do you, or is that the way you see things? Or, or, do you, or do you think it's more like we feed it into the machine and we get the results out? Uh, I really see it like it, like it, like a, like an augmentation of human for decision making through AI. And it's like kind of like a duality. You need uh, to be able to to make the business brain work with the technology brain in order to get there. And then you need to, be, to make the human brain uh, work well with this new AI brain as an augmentation. And you don't need to actually, you don't want to fight between those brains. Uh, you don't want to oppose business and technology. You don't want to oppose uh, AI or human because probably you don't get very far 
if you, you take that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you look around the world today, you see kind of a big rush to get back to normal. And in a lot of ways, normal wasn't really that great for a lot of different, for people in different countries, for different classes, and certainly in regard to um, sustainability and climate change. Do you see or do you have any hope that the getting back to normal might actually take a different path and get to a better normal? I, I do think so because, well, meaning as any citizen or any human, in a sense, I, I think it will have an impact. And as a, as a computer scientist or analyst, I would say that I can see that as a big um, A-B test, as you could call it. You know, A-B tests are uh, those uh, tests you can do online where you test two variants of something to see what is performing better. And in this particular instance, we were able to see what is happening to the society when something as like no transportation occur, when a crisis occur. And it gives us different insights like, how oh, worse can things go? Can we live with less transportation and so forth? So insights of different nature, but definitely things that we can use in order to think about the future differently. And so it will take time in order to consolidate so that we mature uh, what we learn from this uh, very big A-B test. But I do think that it will have an impact on the, on the future and the way we think uh, society long term. Yeah, okay. So, Florian, thanks so much for your time today. You know, your stories and insights about what you do with data and how you do it and what you enable your customers to do really has been fascinating. So thanks a lot for your time. Uh, thanks a lot, Steve, uh, uh, for your question and your time. The Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full-day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com data cloud world tour.